All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of Soba Sisters, the podcast, episode one. I am so, so excited to be here with Ashley. Ashley is the creator of The Sober Mommy on Instagram, so check her out. Um, But yeah, we're just, I'm so excited to have her here today. So thank you, Ashley, for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I could not wait to connect with you. I think um, talking with another mama who is sober and kind of right in the trenches of feeling everything raw is so cool and I'm so passionate about it. So yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, totally. So why don't we just jump right into it? Uh, How long have you been sober for and what did it kind of look like? you know, you're drinking and what led you to quit because you quit before you became a mom, which I just think is so amazing. I know I wish I did. And so do many of the other ladies that I talked to, but kind of tell you know, talk to us about what had led up to that and when that was. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, I've been, as of February, I'll be sober for four and a half years. So I actually am a mom of two. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old that literally just turned one this week. So it's been full crazy around here. Talk about dysregulation and exhaustion and sleepless nights. And I cannot imagine pouring alcohol into that whole mix, right? Um, But it it didn't just happen. Like I, I had to spend a decade really suffering in with alcohol. And my story didn't really come about and tell a really traumatic incident. So I, this is why I found quitting drinking so difficult because I was always the type of person who, especially during school, I could take it or leave it. I sometimes even could be the DD, right? And I think this is really dangerous territory for women because we use these old narratives that I was okay before to keep us drinking, right? Because Eventually, there became a time, um, I was just finishing university, I was about to become a teacher, a life kind of felt like it was getting on track, and I had moved in with my boyfriend at the time, and he was working away from home, so um, I'm not sure if any if anyone's familiar with anything, like anything to do with like a narcissist, they are really hardcore into love bombing, so I was really in the love bomb stage for a year and a half. He was always away, so I didn't really get to know the true his true self till he got a job at home. We moved in on paper. Our life was like a fairy tale it was it was great and tell like and i I talked about this a little bit earlier. I've never talked about this before, but it it was um I got into a situation of domestic violence. And I was thinking about if I was going to share that today or not, but I know some people had reached out to me after that live and they said, oh my gosh, I'm there right now because a narcissist or an abusive partner will use your drinking to their advantage because you are easier to control. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to share that piece. So if you are in that situation or anyone's in that situation, it is so important to really be cognizant of your drinking because they're going to keep using that against you. Right. So, um, I use, I started drinking more and more cause I wanted to hide from everyone, everyone. I could not believe I got myself into this situation. I remember one day I was doing the dishes and it was like this light bulb went off and I was like, Oh my God, I, I am in an abusive relationship. Like I had just done four years of my psych 
like learning about this. It, it happened. Like, how did this happen? And it happens slowly. It's a slippery slope, just like drinking. But I used alcohol to justify, to cover up and to numb completely. And I crossed this invisible threshold, this invisible line where I could not stop drinking. And so because of that trauma, and Gaber Mate talks a lot about um, a trauma-based model of alcoholism and drinking. And I resonate so much with that because there was a time and a place where I could stop and then there wasn't. And Mm -hmm. I really had to be honest. And it took me years and years to be honest with that. And I finally told, like I told my parents, I was like, I knew as soon as I let them know like what was going on the last couple of years, it was done. And I was like, it's either, it's, it was kind of got to the point of like, it was life or death at that point. And I, I told them they got me out of that situation as fast as they could. But what I was left with was a drinking problem. So mm. even though I was in this toxic, terrible relationship, I still had this crippling anxiety and drinking problem, which I actually at that time thought it was just anxiety, PTSD, these types of things. Right. But it's so comorbid with the drinking, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I then met my now husband and thank God, because he was like, Ash, like something's not right. Like this is like, people don't drink like this, right? Like, yeah. and it was drinking privately. It was drinking secretly, secretively. It was drinking to numb. It wasn't to have fun. It wasn't to go out and just have a couple social like cocktails that that wasn't what it was anymore, right? I had, again, crossed that invisible line. So I decided that, okay, I'm going to stop. So I did the whole moderating, changing when I was drinking. I changed from wine. I changed to vodka. I said, okay, no more sugary drinks. Um, I'm only going to drink at this time until I couldn't, you know, and all the mental gymnastics that we do. Right? Water in between. Yeah. Only on the <laughs> or just all these, yeah, crazy little like rules and stuff that we would put on that and then be so mad at ourselves when we can't like abide by these rules. It's crazy. Right? right? A thousand percent. And I and it it, it just doesn't work. So I'd stop right. and start, stop and start. And I my finally I was like, I was actually on we were in Orlando. My husband just had proposed to me. And most people, like no, like it was it was New Year's, I remember. And most people the next day would wake up and be like, I can't wait to tell my friends. And I was like, the first thing my first thought was, Oh my god, we're in the States. They sell wine at the convenience store. Mm-hmm. That was my first thought. And I was like, holy, like I have, like, there's this is a problem. Right. Yeah. This is a problem. So I did. I literally got home from that trip and I looked into, it was tight. Like I, this is why I love you that you do retreats for women because it was like a, a women's intensive retreat. It was just a day. It was, um, it was, it was a week. Like it was just, you go during the day. So, it, and it was just meeting a group of people and women in similar situations. They did a lot of like mindset work that we work with a psychologist, but then you work with someone who's coming in and talking about drinking and mm. I still wasn't a thousand percent convinced at that point. Even I called them and I was like, I, I think like my wedding's coming up. Like I still want to drink, but can you help me with my anxiety? Cause I think that's like maybe a big piece of it. And if I just get over this trauma, I can drink again. Right. Right. So 
I went and then I hear all these stories and I'm like, holy crap, like I have, this is me. These people are telling my story. And that's why I love um, what you and so many other women in this community do is you're telling your stories so that people can resonate and be like, this is, this is me too. Right. Like this is, this is also my story. So when I. So how did you feel when you were there and you heard all these other incredible women kind of sharing their stories? How did that make you, you feel in that moment? Oh, I was, I felt, I felt finally like I wasn't alone. Like I thought something was so wrong with me that was incurable that I was, that no one was ever going to fix. I remember I was going to um, Ayurvedic doctors. I was going to doctors. I was going to naturopaths. I was going to everyone to try to fix me, but I wasn't fixing the alcohol piece, right? Like I was doing cleanses and like I was living at the yoga studio. Like I was teaching and I was living at, like I was doing it all minus not right. Like I just, could just it's never that. It's never, never that. Right? It's the last <laughs> effort. Like, okay, I guess it must be that, you know? Uh, right. So then I stopped drinking and lo and behold, my life started to get better and get better. And, um, but the one thing I didn't do Megan during this period of time is six months. I didn't do any healing work. I just stopped mm-hmm. drinking. That was it. I was like, okay, plug in the jug not drinking anymore. And it worked for until it didn't work until like crisis in our life happened. And alcohol was the first thing I reached for. And I relapsed six months later and it wasn't even very long. I caught myself and I was like, Whoa, what just happened? Like, it was like, I had no control. Mm -hmm. So then once I started digging into the healing work and all the causes and conditions of why we drink in the first place. So we don't, I didn't reach for alcohol when shit hit the fan because we live in a world and a life that things are always going to happen. Right. Right. So I decided that I was going to start pulling in these practices of doing this research about why these practices work for recovery. And I started getting better and better. And now I've, um, I have these kids that I love to do, but it's crazy some days but alcohol is not what I reach for anymore. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't re- know all of that story. Obviously, like I'm hearing this for the first time as far as your, you know, domestic violence relationship mm-hmm. um, and a, like a toxic relationship was definitely a trigger for me. And I could see, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And they say like, you know, that addiction and all that, it's, mm-hmm. it's the human response to pain and suffering. And mm-hmm. a lot of, and same, like I didn't, it wasn't like this full blown problem until I had a stressful uh, situation in my life. And I actually had gotten a, before I quit drinking, I had a toxic life coach and she, she helps people who are in either narcissistic relationships or things like that. And she was like a huge catalyst for me. Once I kind of got some control in that area, then I was like, okay, I need to look at the drinking. And then it's, it's just been, it's so incredible. I even went on her podcast too and got to share my story. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Like how things can come full circle. Um, Yeah. So I'm just so happy that you were able to, first of all, escape that relationship and that your family was there for you to to kind of help you out of it. And, and it sounds like this retreat that you went on sort of was the turning point or just a huge eye opener 
mm-hmm. for you. So how did you even know to like, how did you find that? Or did you like Google search it? Or how did you even, I wouldn't have known like that something like that existed. Um, and had you considered like rehab or were you, you know, what other things had you thought of? Yeah, I had, honestly, I'm so glad you asked this because I had no idea what to do. No, I had no bloody clue. So I didn't know, like I said, I wasn't on social media. So I didn't know anything about any type of sober community. I didn't even think, again, at that time, it was maybe just alcohol. I was like, okay, I knew I experienced experienced trauma. I know I was having panic attacks. So I, again, I think I knew that it was a a drinking problem, but I didn't want to admit it. Um, But I did type in um, drinking and anxiety. I remember literally typing drinking and anxiety in my hometown and this beautiful women's um, program popped up. And I was like, okay, it's during the day. It's only one week. I like, why not? Right? Like, let's give it a go. And you know what's crazy about that though? I went to my doctor and I talked to him and I was like, hey, and we're like family doctors for... 20 plus years. And I was like, Hey, I want to do this. What do you think? And he's like, no, I think you're fine. So please don't like get a second opinion or go with your gut. If someone, if your doctor tells you, cause you don't know what their relationship with is with, uh, with alcohol Maybe. either, right? This is such a huge thing. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this happens a lot. And first of all, sometimes we're not fully honest when a doctor, you know, like that's like mm-hmm. the quick little checkbox. Like, do you, how do you drink? How many drinks? And I would always say socially, you know, and so a lot of times we're maybe not honest, but yeah, if you get the wrong doctor, it could mm-hmm. totally change that. They could try to even convince you you're fine or just cut back or whatever it might be. Because I just think there is still like that stigma and they're, they don't see like, moms and you know functioning highly functioning women as somebody who could have a drinking problem mm-hmm. and so they might just like blow you off a little bit and that could be a life or death for somebody or a matter of like a crappy life and a good life um when we're just blown off like that and so yeah take mm-hmm. follow our intuition follow your gut and mm-hmm. most importantly if that's the kind of response you're getting when you go to your doctor change you got to get a new one they yes. <laughs> And I don't, I don't think it's like, I just think they don't get the training on alcohol use disorder and how to like, there needs to be way more of like a checklist. Like, are you using it to self-medicate? Or do you say you're not going to drink and then you drink? Or do you say you're only going to have one and then you have five? Like, they definitely need like a more thorough questionnaire to be asking women and especially moms for sure. Totally. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you said that because if you don't get a second opinion, you don't go with your gut, then you probably are, are not going to get the help. And it, it it can be fatal, right? Like you said, it could be life or death. And I know when I went to my family doctor, he's like, okay, you have a career, you're getting married. I'm working, I was working a second, I was, I've been a yoga meditation teacher for eight years as well. So I was at school teaching, leaving the school to go to the studio and I'd be there. And he's like, he's like, your life is great. Like, what are you talking about? I know your mom and dad, you have great social supports. I'm like, emotionally, I am bankrupt. You have no idea, right? Like I am really at this point and that was so hard to get to. Like that was my only option. I had no idea what I was doing. I was crying out for help without actually crying out, right? I'm just looking for validation that like, 
maybe this is it. Like maybe this is that problem that I've been looking for and all these different doctors and all these different opinions. Like what if this is it? So I'm, I am glad I did go for it. I'm glad I heard these stories of these women. And you know what? I, one thing that I really resonated with me when I heard, when it got to me with these women and they said, you know what? And a lot of them called me kiddo. Cause I was like, I wasn't, I was <laughs> like, you know what kiddo? Um, Cause I was the youngest one there. And they're like, you know what? I wish I would have stopped when I was your age. And I wish I could have get that time back. And mm-hmm. like, I really internalized that because I felt like I was suffering for so long leading up to that point that I felt like I had already aged myself so much. So I didn't feel like I was young at that point. So I didn't, I didn't really understand what they were talking about, but now that I have kids and I, that's why I will never stop doing the healing work because I'm like, I never want to go back to that nightmare and I will never forget what that looked like at that period of time. Um, But yeah, it's so, so amazing that there's so many more resources and um, accessibility points for women nowadays. I think more and more to get help, right? Um, I think you have to do some research and make sure you're getting the right help, right? Because I think there are a lot of options now, but making sure people dial into getting the right, um, right supports, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we are, we are so lucky. It's even compared to four and a half years ago when you first got sober, there's so much more. Oh, yeah. And and I even, you know, I would even reach out to my mom who my mom, you know, I love my mom and have a great relationship and mm-hmm. she's a nurse. And I'd be like, mom, I think I have a drinking problem. And she, we don't live near each other. I live far away. And, um, but she would say, well, just drink water in between or mm-hmm. okay. Just, you know, like she didn't know Right. Like really, obviously now she's like, oh my God, I feel so bad. But so it's like, just, yeah, follow your intuition. We don't need someone else's validation and to keep looking, keep looking to see where you can get help, what the, what the different options are. And again, like we are so lucky um, these days. So why don't we just talk now about, so you're a mom to two little ones, um, two and one. And I just, I mean, you're in the thick of it for sure. Mine are are nine and 14. So I'm so far past that. But like, what type, how do you handle the, you know, the day-to-day role of being a mom and like winding down and dealing with Mm -hmm. stress and without, you know, turning to drinking, what types of things help you out with that? Um, That's a great question because I think a lot of moms think that, okay, if I stop drinking and especially if my nighttime routine is a wine in a book or a wine in a bubble bath or something like that, like they're like, what, what am I going to do? Right. How am I going to regulate? How am I going to bring myself down from the day? Right. Um, now there's so many great, great ways to regulate the nervous system. My favorite go-tos and probably just because of my background, because I think there's a lot of there's no one size fits all here, right? There's one thing's going to work for someone that's not going to work for somebody else. But my go-tos, um, especially in the evening, because like you said, I'm in the thick of a season that's very busy, very chaotic. I wake up to a baby next to me crying. Like that's my alarm clock. There's no, <laughs> right? 
married, it's like 5.30, 6 o'clock, one baby's crying, then wakes up the next baby, and then we go downstairs. So there's no, like, on Instagram, I see all these, like, beautiful rituals in the morning that people have. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, right now, I'm not in that season. Yeah. But I have to intentionally and consistently carve out a piece of time for healing and for sobriety. And that's in the evening when the kiddos go to bed. So what I utilize then is a couple different things. I will meditate. I will do my yoga practice. I will do breath work, which is like yogic breath, however you want to call it, but let's call it breath work. Yeah. And I'll do some deep journaling and reflection after I do those practices. So a lot of people ask me, like, I can't just sit and journal And I say any of those practices, if you can do one of those, and it doesn't even have to be long and then do some journaling, you're going to be way more open and receptive to integrate a practice and just let it flow afterwards. So um, yeah, my big passion has been really researching those pillars in my own sobriety because I'm really a why person. Like I want to know if I'm doing something, why is this working or why is it not working? Because I know a lot of people, like it's culturally kind of a fad, I guess, to go to yoga, right? And people go to the studio and a lot of the conversation I would have with people would be like, I feel great, but I don't know why, right? And I'm like, oh, well, (laughs) you're actually doing a lot of different things, right? Or I'm meditating and I am feeling great and I don't know why, but there's so much research backed and that actually is really conducive and supportive to recovery. Like when you are meditating, post-addiction, you're actually changing both the structure and the function of the brain, which is like mind-blowing to me. Like, I love this stuff. So if you Mm. can carve out a consistent yoga practice, meditation practice, you are actually changing the way that your brain works. So you're no longer going to reach for that drink, right? It's kind of creating this like little safety net for yourself. And Mm -hmm. yoga, um, again, a lot of people think like yoga is kind of daunting, because we see all these people doing headstands and handstands and all these crazy things on social media. And I just want to scream like that is not yoga. Most of these people are gymnasts. They are dancers. You're seeing people who are like, that's, yes, that's a part, that's a small little fraction of yoga, but that's not the whole of yoga, right? Like yoga means to join, to yoke, to bring together. And you're bringing your really yourself back together after you've broken off, right? Especially mm-hmm. when you've been drinking. And so that's kind of, um, and if you can visualize the yin and the yang symbol, right? That's just to rebalance the self. So we have faster yoga, you have slower yoga, but the part of yoga that I love for recovery is actually the yin portion because that's restoring, that's nurturing, healing the parts of the body that we really disrupted. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, those practices, those really slow, long held postures coupled with meditation, like those are sobriety superpowers there. So, and I, and they're so cozy. Like you can do, you can do a guided meditation, put a blanket on a couple yoga postures. And like, that is so healing and nurturing. Like I have this little yoga cave behind me where I drop every single night and it's so easy. I turn my little red light therapy light on and I just like my husband calls me a little lizard <laughs> like a lizard over there and I and you know what it's like it's just like this nesting nurturing part I'll grab my journal do a little bit of inventory a little bit of reflection and I'm done right like this does not have to be daunting it's not it's not something that it's like a 
a to-do list, right? It's very intentional. It's, and I know it kind of supercharges my, my recovery and in the moment. And one thing I want to chat just quickly about breath work, because I don't do breath work. I do it before or after a practice, but it's really one of those things that targets during a trigger. So um, I think that's really important because a lot of people will ask, I'm sure you've got all the time, like, what do I do in the middle of being triggered or like, I want to drink, there's a craving and a craving only lasts on average like 18 seconds. So my big go-to is, I call it bathroom breath because you can literally escape, go to the bathroom and do this breath. It's by Dr. Andrew Weil and it's called the 478 breath. So you bring your tongue to the roof of your mouth, back of your teeth. You inhale through your nose for four. You hold for seven. And you exhale, making a whoosh sound, your mouth like an O, for eight. And you just keep doing that as long as you need. And that's called the natural tranquilizer of the nervous system, which is wild, right? Wow. So exactly (laughs) what we wanted to do with alcohol, right? We just do it with our breath. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. I love it. I got to write that down. The natural tranquilizer. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. I, I absolutely love breath work. And that's something I, I did. I learned about in early sobriety, actually, before I even quit, um, quit drinking was it was during COVID. And one of my brother's friends, she was doing it like virtually. And I was like, all right. And I just, I just loved it. And I've always like had a hard time with meditation. It wasn't Mm-hmm. I always said like, I can't do it. I don't know. I can't. And so it is something that we have to just keep working at. And that's why they call it like a practice. And same with yoga. Like we're not all going to be like the best at it and know how to do it right off the bat. But the more we could try, it's it, it's just so wonderful. And I still use like the guided meditations. I use like yes. the inside timer app and I'm like, just tell me what to do and let me just lay here. And I'll- percent. Yeah. And it helps. Like, so I'm not like just sitting, you know, I, I use that tool for sure to, to help me out. Um, I love the yoga too. I have, there's a woman in my group who, when she first came, she had never done any yoga before. She just turned 60 and she was like, I'm going to, when she first got sober, she's like, I'm going to try to do yoga. So she started to go and in she in the beginning she said she you know just struggled a little bit and because yeah. she had never ever stepped foot in a yoga studio so cool. and now yeah i love it and now she she's gone pretty consistently this whole year she just hit 1 year sober and she just is getting her yoga teacher training certification she's almost done with it she's got to just do her class and i'm just like wow like that is so inspiring and so just incredible so it's like you don't have to be like a fit person. You don't have to be, um, you know, a certain age. Like it's for anybody can do yoga, right? Oh, yeah. I love that you say that because like I, I want people to get that image out of their minds because like there is there is floor yoga, there is bed yoga, there is chair yoga. The only yoga that drives me nuts is when people say wine yoga because that is the opposite <laughs> of what we are trying to do here. Like I'm even thinking goat yoga and that's at least better. <laughs> But you don't right. have, like you said, like you do not have to be any shape or age or anything. Like you, you just have to give it a, if you can give it a try. And one thing about meditation, which you said, which I highly, highly recommend is people start with a guided meditation because the last thing you want to do in early sobriety is sit in silence. Like 
You want to get out of that mind, not generate those crazy thought patterns because that's what we do. Like that's what got us drinking in the first place. Right. And I always recommend to people like start with your guided meditations and there's not a ton of guided meditations for recovery. Um, I am, I will teaching that I'm working on that actually right now because that's kind of, that's my jam. And that's what I want to really focus in on because yeah, that there's not a lot of support in that area yet. Um, that's something I'm passionate about, but, um, start guided. Don't worry so much about just be sitting in silence, right? Because that's when the mind's going to go. And a lot of people are like, Oh, uh, my thoughts never stop. Your thoughts aren't meant to stop. They're always going to keep going, right? Like that's not mm-hmm. meditation. That's a that's a total myth, right? You just have to be in the space, like you said. Put a guided meditation on. Let it tell you what you need to do. Focus on your breath, and yeah, don't worry about doing it a certain way or just listen to the tape, right? It's going to naturally regulate your nervous system and calm you down, and you don't have to really think or have any expectations on that practice, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And yeah, they have, even on the inside timer too, they have like, you could put um, like addiction meditations or you can do like self-love or I do a lot for like money because that's what I'm happen to be working on right now is like money and trying to get better at that and and everything. So yeah, there's just so many out there. So just, yeah, I I mean, anyone just try it and see. So cool. it. Yeah. Like don't stop. Like you got to do it a bunch to, you know, to really fall in love with it and to make it your routine or your self-care routine. So you said you're working on um the meditation for like recovery. Is that something like a program you're doing or certification or just something you're like teaching yourself or are you, how are you working on that right now? I'm just oh, curious. you know, I'm actually building a program in <laughs> all the chaos of my our life and now my like my husband's in school he's finishing his last three months of school he's an electrician so he's getting his journeyman he had to put school on pause for six years and this is after he transitioned out of university from business this is chaos right now so he's like this is on to his second now shifting his life (laughs) his career change and so he's in his three months of school which is crazy like six o'clock till six o'clock like I don't I'm pretty much a single parent right now except for my parents thank goodness something like this. They're like, I'll take the kids for a couple hours. So I really appreciate them of them. Um, but yeah, so in this little pocket of time right now in the evenings to keep me kind of just focused on recovery, I've been working on a program. So I'm doing, um, yoga, meditation and breath work all for all streamlined for recovery because people have been asking me, okay, how do I do this? What do I do? So I'm just kind of compiling all the knowledge, packaging it up nicely and, then I will be teaching all the practices, like the yoga practices, the breathwork practices, the meditation practices. And again, that's just my passion, my wheelhouse. So I think that's how I can help serve people. Again, that's not for everyone, but it will be for whoever it it serves, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And and what else are you doing right now? What else are you up to? Or is that like your, your project right now? Yeah, that's my big project right now. I'm on mat leave. So I'm on mat leave till September. So that's kind of my my busy work, right? Because my brain never stops. And then I will be going. So I then I'll be going back to work. And then this was actually kind of my decision because I was asked to go back to the studio to start teaching again as of January. 
And I decided to turn down the studio and say, I'm going to start teaching more remotely. And this is a way for me to be able to still do what I love, teaching yoga, teaching meditation, but not go to the studio, be there for hours on end. I have little kids, right? Like that season of my life, unfortunately, after eight years is, is not, it's not in the cards right now, right? Like I don't even sometimes have 30 minutes to myself, let alone five hours. Be by yourself sometimes when yeah. you're that age. Sometimes I'm like cool. with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that was my transition. So I could still be teaching yoga and meditation. And then in September, I'll be going back to like actually school teaching. So, so it'll just be another shift. So, but right now I just wanted to keep doing what I loved and that hobby and that part of my sobriety. I didn't want to lose that. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, I can't wait for you to be finished with that and be have it out there for people to to take and learn from you. I think it's it's so important and much needed in this space. What would you um if you could give advice to anybody who's maybe skeptical of you know thinking that that could replace their evening wine, you know, um that what would you say? You know what? I think at the end of the day, that was me, right? I didn't think that anything could replace alcohol, especially when I was using it to cope, right? Um, if you can give it an honest try, like my mind, I hated the word forever, right? I was so terrified of that word. So I would have to chunk. I know some people do like one day at a time. I would just have to chunk my time, right? And not... I knew in the back of my mind that I, I could probably never drink again because I didn't want to, but I was so terrified of it. I never wanted to go back. But if someone is at that place where they're kind of in that gray area, there's not that. And some people, you just get to the place of being, okay, I need this. Right. And that's going to be that my path. But if you're kind of like, haven't taken the leap of faith yet and you're thinking about it, give it a try. Right really drop into those healing practices because that is what is going to change your life, right? You're not going to just be in sobriety and be like, oh, well, this sucks. You're going to love being sober. And that's why I'm so passionate about these practices because it changed my, like, it was a complete game changer for me. And I, because I do this work and I can tell when I'm not doing it, like I can tell when I'm neglecting these practices because all of a sudden I'll start becoming reactive. All my anxiety will come back. Um, some of my depressive symptoms and wanting to isolate will come back. And I'm like, okay, hazard lights are on. I need to go back. I need to be doing these practices consistently again, because that's key. Uh, and then again, life comes back together. Everything calms down. It's like press. It's like there's peace, right? And you want to stay sober. So yeah, definitely just give it an honest shot. Give it a try. Um, again, it has to be consistent and there ha you can't, it's not like a one, one off. You don't just do a one day and everything's changed, right? You have to have, you have to be consistent and you just kind of watch it go into place, go into place, which is actually great that it has to be consistent because when you are removing alcohol, you are now going to have a lot of mental load that you freed up that you have to now fill. Yeah. So these kind of practices will fill that void. So it's definitely worth, um, definitely worth giving a shot for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that too, because I always say like, we don't need 
alcohol. We don't need to poison ourselves like to get through motherhood. And it's like, ask yourself what you really need. And having that moment to yourself, whether say it's an hour where you go up to your, your little yoga area that you have set up, like, I'm sure you look forward to that. Like, oh God, at least like, so instead of like looking forward to like that wine, you're like, I'm looking forward to that moment with myself where I can relax and journal and like that. It sounds like too, like your husband's supportive with that. Like, oh, mm. Ashley's up in her. Don't bother her. <laughs> and this keeps her rolling and keeps her, you know, sober and keeps her being able to like be a mom and, and all of that. So you could have other things to like look forward to, but we all just need that escape and have that yeah. moment, but something that's going to be healthy, like a healthy habit instead of poisoning ourselves and then feeling worse. Like you're going to feel better after you go journal and you do meditation for a little bit or you and you just do some movement, whether it's just laying there or stretching or whatever, you're going to feel better than if you have a bottle of wine. It's just, it's just how it goes. And we want to feel better. We don't want to feel worse. So yeah. You will uh, never but, regret doing a practice. You will always regret drinking. Absolutely. 100%. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so true. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being here and for sharing a little bit about your story and a little bit about your yoga and meditation and breathwork practices. I love it. And I just appreciate you being here. Where can people find you if they want to come check you out? Yeah, you can find me at the underscore sober mommy on Instagram. Um, check out my link. There's my website in there. Um, you can sign up for my email if you're interested in course updates, program updates, and I'll kind of be just firing out them there. I'm going to be going into a pilot round-ish February. So if anyone, I, I can only take a couple people for that, but then the next month I'll start to open it up a little bit more. So yeah, be awesome. Great. Well, I'll put the links here in the show notes and thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, thank you. Thank you so much.